What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am so excited today to have my new friend, Rose Vigiano, with me. She is a master-level relationship coach, similar to me, also like similar with the hair. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like we're twins. We've I'm got scared. the curls. We're the curly girls. Right <laughs> we're the curly here girls. With the, with the relationship coaching. <laughs> um, so Rose helps individuals and couples create satisfying and fulfilling relationships through science-backed tools that catalyze quick shifts and build long-term solutions. So welcome, Rose. Thanks, Dawn. Good to be here. Wonderful. <laughs> It's so funny because when we first met, it was like, I just resonated with you right away. Mm. And then we met in a group setting Mm -hmm. and um, it was like messaging back and forth. Oh my gosh, I need to talk to you because your, because your page says the awakening, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. My name is awakening Awakening and I was like, oh my gosh. So then we had a big conversation. I was like, oh yeah, she needs to be on my podcast. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really you, appreciate it. You are welcome. Okay. So my little icebreaker question is okay. what's up with fast times at Ridgemont High? <gasps> you mean like on my page? Or... Yes, yes. Okay. Because I posted that that like all these huge stars, stars. like Jennifer Aniston and Brad, and Brad Pitt. Pitt. I was like, that must I be know. And Shia LaBeouf and Oh my gosh, they all did a table reading for Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and they did it as a charity event, Uh and Uh it was just amazing. I love that movie. It's just a classic, classic movie from the 80s, and it's one of my all-time favorite movies, and I just think it's brilliant. The movie or the reading? Well, both, because I I (laughs) vaguely remember that Sean Penn was a big doofus, right, in the movie. Well, he plays Spicoli, who's like yeah. a surfer, right. but he's just mm-hmm. such a funny character and he just has so much personality and all the characters in it have so much personality and it's really, it really is pretty deep. Like it talks about your first having sex for the first time, falling in love, heartbreak. It talks about betrayal, friendship, betrayal, so much about that high school experience and I mean, I, I experienced all those things in high school. Not everybody did, but I did drinking, you know, driving, crashing cars. I never crashed a car in high school, thank God, but I did all the rest of it. Going to parties, you know, what do you do after graduation, uh-huh. how relationships change. Also, two of the main characters, uh, Stacy and um, the, Brad. the love interest, Rad, oh. yeah, Rad, I think. Brad. Um, No, Brad's her brother. Oh, okay. The guy that she wants, that she's dating, and then then his best friend ends up sleeping with her instead. And oh, oh, she gets pregnant in the movie. She has to have an abortion. I mean, it's like, there's a lot. It was big. And then it's directed by this this brilliant director, Amy Heckerling, and written by Cameron Crowe. So it's just, I find it a wonderful movie. So it was like a, a blast 
from the past for uh-huh. me and to see all those those actors come together and having I used to work I worked in the entertainment business for uh, over 20 years before uh-huh. I went full time into coaching and I always I always had done coaching on the side but I also had this big entertainment career uh-huh. which I loved and so I still have a real deep sense about great films they so, they live in my heart so how did how do you think they did in the reading I thought they did great I loved it. I actually watched the whole thing. It was like an hour long. Uh-huh. They ended up with scenes from the movie. And that's that's a big time commitment to spend an hour watching something on Facebook. Right. That you really have to be into it. It did take me a couple of sittings because I don't have that much, that length of time at once. But I did get through the whole thing and I just loved it. Mr. Hand. I mean, the characters are just the best. So yeah, I only I only watched about 10 minutes of it because I love I I loved you know I was actually last night I was like oh I, I don't I want to watch it it looked really fun um but I you know the first thing was like oh how is that for Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt to be together right. in that way you know and then like right. Matthew McConaughey and Henry Golding had just done this movie was that was that called The Gentleman I forget what it was called mm. but it was kind of an interesting psychological Definitely twisted movie, you know that they, those yes. two were in. Um, but they had great you know, Morgan Freeman. I love. Oh my gosh, Julia Roberts. You know, I mean, yes. there's a lot of really cool people. Sean Penn was there. You know, it was, yes. it was really fun. Yeah, it yeah. was. Okay, so so then I also saw uh, because you are you have this really unique combination of um, Christian being brought up Christian and Jewish. But more, but really Jewish. You were brought up in the Jewish yes. faith. Yes. And, but and I have an Italian last but name. But you have so an Italian I, last name. That's right. fascinating. Yeah. So I have Italian Catholic blood and Jewish blood in me. But I was raised by my mother and my mother's family uh, in, a, in the Jewish traditions. And that, that speaks to really what my, my history is, which is that my father left when I was three and Uh I never saw him again. Uh So I grew up in an entirely Jewish home and community really not, not, I mean, I grew up on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I don't know if if you wouldn't necessarily call it a Jewish community, but it's pretty close as you're going to get in in a city. And, um, and yet I had this Italian last name and I had this connection to a man who wasn't there. He was like, Uh um, he was like uh, a ghost. Uh-huh. He was never spoken about. And so I grew up with this real ambivalence between the faith that I was brought up in and then this name that I had, this Italian uh-huh. name that I had. So I've, ha- I've worked a lot to, to re- resolve that over the years. And now I, I am able to embrace both parts of me. Uh-huh. Of course, because I was raised with the Jewish faith and my mother was Jewish, I, I identify more strongly with that side, but I definitely identify as an Italian. Well, didn't the first time we meet, you were cooking Italian. Like you I was cooking <laughs> bolognese. You're exactly right. Oh my gosh. I, we were, oh, that was, so that was funny. So we're in this like group and it's really like, like deep and intense. And there's like 30 women there or something. I don't know how many, and everybody's like talking really intensely. And I'm like, um, so you guys, I'm really sorry, but at various points, I'm going to have to leave the video so I can stir my bolognese because it has to cook for five hours. And 
and I can't, I can't, I have to tend to it. So you're, you're like comedic relief. <laughs> oh, yes. here goes Rose stirring her sauce. <laughs> and I think at one point I was adding tomatoes and, oh, there was a lot, but where did you, at least I showed Where did up. you learn to cook Italian? So I think that it, it was, it's, that's really just in my blood. Nobody uh -huh. taught. In fact, I come from a family of horrible chefs. My mother, like the things she made better than anything was reservations. She knew exactly <laughs> what table to pick, where in the restaurant. She was so particular. She would call and say, I want the table in the back by the, the tree, but not the one under the fan. I want the other one. I mean, she was so good at that. But cooking, mm -mm. my grandma, she tried and she did make some Jewish foods like kugel, but she wasn't a great cook. Uh -huh. She ordered. She was good at ordering for, for, for holidays. Somehow I developed a love for cooking in my younger life and Must gravitated come towards from the Italian other side food. of the family, huh? 100%. My, uh, my aunt on my father's side, who I met later in life, um, she mentioned that, that, she, that when I was like three, I could eat like stuffed shells. Like she was always surprised at how many stuffed shells I could eat. So <laughs> there you go. So, uh, so do you cook Jewish food as well? I do. You I do. do. I do. I make latkes and kugel and brisket and hummus and Israeli salad. I mean, a lot. Simis, whatever the holiday. Uh -huh asks for whatever sort of traditional for that holiday I make but that's for every holiday I do the same thing for Thanksgiving uh -huh. you know for fourth of July you know uh -huh. <laughs> and then I'll I always have I think we're eating some of that bolognese tonight so <laughs> I've <laughs> always got something Italian does your daughter like to cook as well she does my eight-year-old likes to cook we cook together sometimes and nice. uh, she cooks on her own as well and has her own cookbooks that she refers to. Oh, that's so sweet. she makes turkey pesto meatballs and she makes uh, little pizzas, which she loves. And uh -huh. she loves making scrambled eggs and avocado toast is sort of her, her unique specialty avocado toast. She loves uh -huh. avocados. So yeah, yeah, it's something that we do together. Definitely. That's nice. Cause I don't like to cook at all. And both, oh, both yeah. of my grandmothers were really, really good cooks. And my mm. mom's, my mom's a good cook too. Although she doesn't, I don't think she really likes it as much. And my daughter loves to cook. She's like, mm. you're horrible. And I go, well, yeah, because I don't like it. So, you know, <laughs> I haven't invested as much time and energy into, sure. you know, whatever. But what I, what I wanted to talk to you about, because I, mm. I listened to your uh, video about saying that, you know, this was the time from Rosh Hashanah to Yom mm -hmm. Kippur. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I don't know that much about the Jewish faith yes. because I was brought up Catholic, but I was, when you were talk when you were describing it, I thought that it's, it's, it sounds very similar to Catholics confession and reconciliation mm. you know this pro this process of examining the ways in your life where you're not showing up at your best mm -hmm. you know and that you're causing a negative impact or a hurtful impact on the people around you and what you need to do to um, to make amends like come mm -hmm. to this place of 
self-examination and, and exploration. And so I just wanted it. I think it's an amazing thing for us to talk about because I think yes. a lot of people, uh, a lot of people have to go through this or don't have to. Me <laughs> a lot too. of people don't go through it, but yeah. a lot of need to. Yeah. And, and, and what happens, because your topic and what we both do is really focus on love and relationships, is what happens is when we don't take that time to look at ourselves, it comes out negatively in our relationships. Of course. And we end up playing the blame game with our partners, usually, or our kids or our uh -huh. parents. Uh -huh. And we don't have the ability to really look at how we've helped to create the situation. So I love, I love that you watched that video. Thank you. I was really inspired these last 10 days this year on, on between the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are really, and, and I, I want to say also, like, I'm not particularly religious. Like right. I love the culture of Judaism, but I'm not, I'm not, um, practicing in that way where we, you know, go to synagogue every week and we pray in Hebrew, things like that. But I'm very spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I've studied many religions in the last 20 years. Um, I spent five years working at a Hindu ashram. I studied wow. Buddhism. Yeah, I studied uh, Jainism. I studied uh, uh, Taoism. I, I went through all the Eastern Eastern uh, philosophies. I studied philosophy. And, and I did end up finding my way back to Judaism through... Um, a very progressive synagogue. It's not even a synagogue, it's like a shul in New York where I'm from. I don't, I live in California now, but, and that really got me back into practicing Judaism. But to your question, so they call the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the 10 days of awe or um, sometimes atonement mm -hmm. or awareness. And um, it's really a time to reflect on the last year, because the Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year, and right. so in the Jewish calendar, and so um, you have this opportunity to take a look from last Rosh Hashanah, and you say to yourself, like, okay, what, like, what did I do? Basically, take you take stock, you take inventory, and um, the thing about inventory that I think is so important and most people really miss is that inventory is really a fact finding process. It's not a judgment. Mm -hmm. So like when you have a store that you own and um, you have supplies that you sell, you sell something in your, in your store and, and, and very often, whether it's once a week or once a month or once a quarter, you have to take inventory of what you have in your stock, what needs to be sold, what needs to be kept, and what is broken, mm -hmm. like what no longer works. Because if you have stuff in your storeroom that is broken and can't be sold, it's taking up space and it's going to bring your business down mm -hmm. because you don't have room for the stuff that you can really use or sell in your business. And so when you take that inventory, you really look at what do I have to sell? What sold well? What didn't sell well? And what do I have that's broken that needs to be discarded? And that's really what we need to do with ourselves as well, is to really take a look at ourselves and say, you know, what do I have that is 
is working in my life? Like what has been selling? What are people coming to buy? Like what's bringing people to the yard? You know, what's bringing the boys to the yard? It's like, what are the things that are really working? What's helping to improve my relationships? What's going well in my business? Um, are, you know, what's working well with how I'm handling my money, what's working well with, um, how I'm parenting or am I growing my mind or how does my house look or my office, you know, what's going well, uh, how's my circle of friends. I always like to start with what's going well, because I feel like when we start with what's going not so well that we can get into like a hole. Right. You know, into like a, like a, like a downward mental spiral, basically. Like a, like a victim, like poor me, look yeah. at all these things that are terrible. Oh yeah. Or just like, I just get lost in everything that isn't working and I start feeling hopeless. Yeah. And then it's very difficult to make change from a place of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. So first let's look at like what goes well. Great. But we don't stop there. Right. So then we go to what didn't go well. You know, what, what, what relationships were damaged this year or this day or this week or with this argument, however you're doing the, the inventory. inventory. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you take a moment to look at like, well, what, what, is, what was my part in it as well? You know, what, if, if, if a relationship fell apart or if I'm, I'm strained with someone what is it that I did to help contribute to this or what, or what did I not do? Mm-hmm. You know, the errors of omission as well. What did I not say? What, what did I not have a voice in that relationship? Did I not speak to what I needed or wanted? And then I say, well, is there an apology that needs to be made here? Once I've looked at my behavior and the things that I've done, is there somebody that I need to make amends to? That's also a part of this period of time in the Jewish tradition. It's like, and then you have amends, which is often misunderstood because, you know, just saying, I'm sorry, it doesn't really do anything. So for instance, let's say I owe my friend a thousand dollars. And it's been, I've realized it's been the whole year and I haven't paid them back. Well, if I say, I'm sorry, you know, I, I never paid you back this thousand dollars and I haven't mentioned it. It's like, okay, so now what? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so I haven't paid back this thousand dollars. I'm sorry. And I'm going to pay you a hundred dollars a month for the next 10 months. Mm-hmm. And that's my plan. And then the amends is sending that check once a month right, for that hundred dollars. It's not the I'm sorry. I mean, that's a part of it, but it's the changing behavior. And that's when we look forward. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I, I think a lot of times uh, when when you say I'm sorry, I imagine, you know, little seven or eight year old kids going, sorry, sorry. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't really mean it. I'm just saying it because my parents are telling me that I have to say it. Yeah. As opposed to really going, oh, wow, I really messed this up. You know, taking yeah. responsibility, taking responsibility right. for how, how I was impacting, you know, and, and I always say like, you're either doing or saying things or behaving in ways that are helpful to the relationship or are harmful. Right. It's one or the other. Right. And it's not, it's not about the intent either. Right. Because a lot of times my daughter will say, well, I didn't mean, mean to upset to. them. 
Yeah. And I tell her it's not about the intent. It's about the effect. Right. That we didn't, maybe we didn't intend to do something. Maybe you didn't intend to not pay your friend back or you didn't intend to not call that person back when they needed you, or you didn't intend to snip at your partner a hundred times this year or a thousand or 10,000, you know, Right. but, right. It, but you did and it had an impact. So I always say to her, well, what, what was the impact, my dear? Mm -hmm. And well, the impact is my friend is upset. So, okay, how can we repair that? What do we need to do? Right. And maybe there's something, it's amazing how parenting, if you really look at what you're trying to teach your children when you're, when you're a parent, it's amazing how much, if you really take that on and look at yourself with, am I doing that? How yeah. much you can really learn. Yeah. It's not just do what I say. <laughs> well, that's, that is unfortunately what a lot of parents do. Yeah. Well, this is the way it's supposed to be. So do this, or right. you need to be this way so I can feel comfortable with myself. This right. is another topic, but this is something that I also work on with clients. I have clients that I just coach them really on parenting specifically. Yeah. So, it's coming into alignment with who you say you want to be. Well, and so I, I call my process awakening relationships and you, you have your own use for the word and yeah. And it's like, how can we wake up in our relationships? How yeah. can we be aware and awake in how we are connecting with others? Right. And whether that's our kids or our love relationships or our parents or our friends or our coworkers, do I really see, and it goes with this topic that we're talking about, am I really looking at my behavior? Mm -hmm. Am I looking at my actions? Mm -hmm. Am I identifying whether I'm simply reacting to what other people are doing or I'm confident and grounded in myself and then stepping forward from that place? Yeah, I'm I mean, responding, so responding rather than reacting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so why, what, well, first question, why should I care? Why should I care about any of this? Because there are a lot of people who go through their life not really paying attention, you know? I mean, like you said, it's like, do you want to do the, do you actually need, why do I need to do this? Why do yeah. I need to wake up? Why Such do I need question. to be more, more conscious in my relationships? Mm -hmm. in my well, I guess, I, I guess the sh short answer is you don't actually. Yeah. You right. really don't like no one, no one is forcing, <laughs> no one's forcing you, to you. Do this. No, you can go on the same way. And you know what, if it's working for you, I say, great. But like, that wasn't my experience in my life. Like that way of being that, that unconscious insecure. Well, you're not necessarily insecure, but that unconscious way of being with other people wasn't creating deep, connected, intimate relationships right. for me. Right. If you feel like you can be unconscious to who you are and what you're doing and the nature of your connections, but still feel fulfilled, have at it. Because in my experience, no one wants to do this kind of hard work, mm. this kind of like deep digging, soul searching and transformation, unless they are unsatisfied yeah. with how their life is right now. Yeah. And they're looking for something better and bigger. And so how, how does doing this work make it better and bigger? Because this is, this is the thing when people, people are stuck, you know, they're just like, eh, it's okay. 
you know, everything is okay. It's status quo. It's like, Mm. but it's, it's not, uh, would you say, oh, I'm really fulfilled and satisfied? Most people probably say, right. Not really. So, you know, I had a coach, I had a a relationship coach a while back who used to say he liked working with couples to get them from good to great. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that there are people whose lives are good, but they want them to be great. Mm-hmm. And they know, like Tiger Woods, like Tiger Woods was an excellent golf pro, right? He was winning, but he knew he could be better. And so what he had to do was he had to relearn his golf swing. And for like, I don't know if this isn't exactly right, but it was like a year maybe while he was learning a different golf swing, he was losing. He was losing every tournament because he was practicing a new way of swinging. And then once he really learned that new way of playing golf, he came back even better than he ever was before. He was even more uh, harder to compete against. He won by bigger margins and he was 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 an even more excellent top athlete. So, you know, those of us even where it's like good but it's not good enough, we have to take a step back and learn a different way in order to have really the excellence that we are here for. Mm-hmm. You know, because joy is our birthright. Like yeah. we are on this planet to feel good and to live fully in our ex- existence and our experience. Not every minute though. Right. Because there's, that's not human. That's right. not right. real. Right. And so we have to go through periods of struggle and periods of change in order to get to that next level. You know, when you look at like the map of consciousness and you look at all the different emotions that we can feel, they're all there. And it's, it's a spectrum. It's not, you get up to, you know, we're not saints. Like we don't get to a certain place and then that's it. And we just stay there. Right. It's a constant evolution. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's taking two steps back to take one step forward. And if, and, and I always say this to my clients and I say it to myself when I'm coaching myself, I say, progress is not a straight line. Yeah. Progress is not a straight line. And I always think of progress and transformation like the stock market. You know, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, it goes way up, it goes way down. But if you stay in it for 20 years, it's going to, you know, you will see that you will do well over that time. The overall trajectory is up, up, right? but you can have bad days, bad months, and bad years. Mm -hmm. And then for... So that's for the people who like feel like, oh, my life is pretty good. Why would I want to do all this deep digging? Because it can be better. The other thing is a lot of times people don't know. They think, especially if you come from a dysfunctional childhood home, or if you grew up with any kind of addiction, or you had a parent who was a perfectionist, or a parent who was a hypochondriac, or a parent who was very controlling, you might not know what you're feeling. Yeah. Because you didn't have an opportunity to feel those things safely as a child. Right. So you might think I had this great childhood because you bonded with your painful past and and you're shut down from it. And so you don't 
know like how come my relationships feel dull how come my work life feels dull why don't i feel like i have any creativity how come i can't get ahead how come i i don't i'm not i i i don't feel passion in my life yeah. like it's fine yeah. but yeah. it's not it may be because of that it's it's like all of these ways all of these ways that sort of uh shut you down as a child you know you it's yes. like you have this these protective mechanisms around you because mm -hmm. that was your own sense of safety and control when things were feeling out of control around you. Yes. So, uh, you know, we have these coping mechanisms that we learn that we right. uh, show up in our relationships, we show up in our businesses, we show up, you know, in our friendships and whatever. And it's, I, I know that, I know that this is the work that you have done personally, as yes. well as I have done. It's like, it's like getting rid of those blocks like in the in the store th these things that are broken that don't mm -hmm. really serve you but yes. they, but they're ways of coping you know they're ways yes. of coping of getting by of of feeling status quo um yeah. but they're ways that they may protect you they may have protected you in the past mm -hmm. but in essence they block you from really experiencing this true intimacy and knowing you know both internally you know a self knowing as yes. well as as sharing yourself with somebody else you know and having this this deeper intimacy of yes. really being seen not just seen for who i show up in my protective mode yes beautifully said yeah they they're numbing um and they 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 cut the edge and when you when you cut the edge on the tough stuff, you're also going to cut the edge on the good stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, because how you how we show up in one area of our lives is how we show up in every area of our lives. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to self protect myself, if I'm going to go into a place of just trying to cope with negative emotions, I'm also not going to be able to really feel the positive ones. Mm -hmm. I I read a lot of Leo Buscaglia. Did you ever read him? No. Oh, he's like, you should read some of his okay. books. He's, I mean, it was, you know, probably 30 years ago, he was professor of love. Oh, PhD professor of love. And he was <clears throat> a truly, truly loving individual. I mean, his work is, was like the foundation of my own journey uh, oh, to wow. do what I'm doing. And he yeah. talked about <clears throat> um, when you're in the depths when you're in the depths of your pain and heartache, mm. as low as you can go, as deeply as you can feel the negative, mm -hmm. that is the exact opposite of how, how um, you know, high you can go in mm. your own feelings of joy and love too. You know, if you're, yes. if you're sort of riding this wave of, I'm not really feeling high and I'm not really feeling low, it's just like this status quo mm -hmm. because, because to, to go down to the depths is too painful. And just like you mm -hmm. said, that's where people numb out. That's where people become addicted. That's where people, you know, just sit and just watch TV all the time because they yeah. just don't want to think or feel about anything. And, you know, he said, it's like, as, as much as you can feel the depths, that's also the amount that you can feel the joy and the love too. Yes. You know, so like in my own, in my own life, like 
I have felt the depths. Mm. I felt the depths. And I know, you know, and especially like in my family relationships and my friendships, I feel this really beautiful sense of connection and connectedness and intimacy, um, mm -hmm. you know, that I, I had moments of in my marriage, but it wasn't mm. sustained. And yeah. that's, you know, that's why I chose to leave because it was like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like deeply connected and supportive yes. and joyful. And, you know, and I know yeah, that and you wanted more for your life. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have that much time. Right. It's like, and, and it takes time. And that was the other thing that I was talking about in the video is that even with, even with the fact that we're taking this inventory and that we're really looking at how we also want to be and how we want to show up differently, we also have to leave room for our humanity. Mm, yeah. And that we're not going to be perfect and we're not always going to do it right. And in our, in our partnership, it's like, well, it's so easy to get mad at the other person for how they're not showing up and so much more difficult to look at how am I showing up? Right. And are there things I've said and then haven't fallen through with? Are there things I've committed to and haven't done? And if I can look at that, then can I be a little bit more loving with the fact that my partner is not perfect and is not going to be able to show up exactly the way that maybe they might say that they intend to? Well, and, and, that, and that goes also yeah. to... Um, you know, ha having compassion, uh, mm. because when you're talking about making amends, it's like you have compassion uh, for your own failings, yes. right? your own ways that you have fallen short. And so that you offer that to the other person. And in making amends, when you recognize, you know, because this was, this was when I was listening to you, I mean, this was a huge part of, you know, do you say I'm sorry and do you follow through on it? You know, it's mm -hmm. like if you are doing something that is harmful to the relationship, how are you taking action? You know, it's not just acknowledging it. It's taking action to change it. You making amends is actually doing something to create a better situation, a better circumstance of, you know, and isn't it great when we find someone who's willing to be patient with us while we're on that process? Like, mm -hmm. isn't that such a huge gift? But, you know, and we have to be in that process. And that's to your question of like, why should people do this work? Well, you can also just get divorced. Yeah. You know, you can, you can just not, you can end the relationship. But if, if you have somebody who's willing to be patient with you and who's doing their work, and it's, and it's up to you to rise yourself up to do your own work. Mm -hmm. Why not do it? And even if you guys don't end up being together, you know, forever, whatever that means in this lifetime, it's like, at least you did your work and you got to see, well, why do I do this stuff? Why do I feel so offended when he says this or that to me? And then why do I react so strongly? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, great. Well, now I know it's because you know, that was exactly the pattern I was in with my mother growing up. And now how do I shift it? Well, let me learn to bite my tongue, to pause. Let me put myself in time out. Let me see what part of me is getting affected. Mm -hmm. Maybe I could communicate instead. Wow, I feel really 
activated right now. Like, oh, you know what, honey, I love you. And it doesn't feel like this is going in a helpful direction. So why don't we pause and come back together and finish talking about this in an hour? And then meanwhile, you know, work your ass off on yourself to calm down. Well, and I was also going to say that sometimes our biting our tongue is actually preventing the true intimacy. That's not, that's not, you know, maybe you need to take a pause in the moment, in the moment, because whatever you say is going to be more destructive as opposed to constructive. But I think a lot of times, um, and I would say, especially women, maybe that's not always the case, but especially women, we're taught to be nice and bite our tongues. Yes. And so you know, part of it is being able to express what's true for us. Yes. Regardless of your intention, what yes. my experience of this is X, Y, Z, you know, sure. and, and I should, I should feel safe enough to express that. And, and you should be able to, uh, because you love me <laughs> and you're trying to understand me and you're trying to, you know, create a, a, a healthy, you know, and loving Mm -hmm. relationship with me that you should be able to hear what I have to say and take that into consideration and then come back and say, you know, uh, yes, I can see where you would have this perspective or how do I need to approach it differently the next time? Or, you know, as opposed to there, I think there are a lot of times where people, express their truth and the other person uh, gets defensive and shuts down and then no intimacy and no connection happens. It's like the opposite happens, which is what happened in my case. Right. Um, So that's the ideal circumstances when you have two people who can interact that way. However, even in those cases, there are going to be times when one or both people are too activated to actually show up that way. Yeah. And, and, and more with men, but not, but with women too, also they get flooded. They get flood. Men very often will get flooded with uh, too much emotional information and they, they literally shut down. They can't process. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where the kind thing is to take, take a pause, take a break. Mm -hmm. But, but when I say bite your tongue, I mean, rather than letting your, Uh, like your inner teenager talk for you rather than saying that nasty thing to bite your tongue, but it's not to not have a voice. Mm. Like we always want to work on having our voice. However, we want to have it in a healthy way. Right. And if we, we can't have our voice in a healthy way, sometimes not always because sometimes the fighting can actually really help a situation because it's going to get that stuff out. It's going to get that truth out for you to really deal with it. But it depends, you know, how much is it happening, the frequency and what damage is it doing? And are you working through it? Right. Like Esther Perel would talk about marriage 2.0. You know, are you, are you heading to your relationship 2.0 or is this, is this all this fighting just in service of the demise of the relationship? Right. And so what about when we're, uh, when we're not even talking about being in a partnership, it's just dealing with our own inventory of ourselves? Yes. So, um, well, I mean, it, relationships, like uh, people say, well, um, can I work with you? People, a lot of times people come up to me, can I work with you because I'm not in a, a relationship? And I said, really? You don't have any friendships? You don't work with people? Right. You don't right. have neighbors? 
you, you know, you partnership. Don't go to the grocery store. partnership is the, yeah. Yeah. So we all have relationships and yeah. relationships are the, the, the biggest factor in our lives. And it's yeah, generally what really speaks, yeah, speaks to how we feel. So, um, you know, so when we look at our own inventory, it's often going to be about how we were with others. However, there's also a super critical piece to inventory, which is how am I with myself? Exactly. Because most people treat themselves worse than they would ever allow anyone else to treat them. Yep. And this is the way that they think. You know, the way that we think about ourselves and the number that we do to ourselves in our minds is the most destruction we can do in our lives. And so we will take something that is a fact and we will distort it in our heads to punish ourselves. And then we will get some feeling from that thinking pattern, some ne usually negative feeling. Right. And then we will usually take some actions that create not the result we think we want. And so learning, and this takes time and work, um, learning to be able to identify what am I really thinking and are those thoughts real? Are they facts or are they opinions? Right. Are they, you know, fantasies? Did, did you read By Byron Katie? Is it true? You know what? I've heard those questions. I yeah. haven't read the book, but I know those questions that you to ask yourself those yeah. four questions. I think it is. Is it true? Is it really true? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, so it's the stories in your head. And, and I, I say to clients, like, who is the voice in your head? You yes. know, is it your mom? Was it your dad? Yes. Was it your teacher? Was it your friend? What, you know, like, right. why, why are you playing their tapes in your head? Yes. So, because what happens is when we grow up with a certain type of caretaker, and very often it might be a critical parent, mm -hmm. we will then um, create a part of ourselves that becomes the critical parent. Right. And we will internally criticize ourselves and take the role of what that parent did, even if we say we hated that hated parent. It. Or we, we, we then embody that and we do it to ourselves. And that's why meditation is so important. Mm -hmm. uh, finding a way to connect with being, starting to become aware of your thoughts, even 10 minutes in the morning of meditation to just start to say like, I am not my thoughts to start to detach just a little bit from what goes on in your head and not see it as, as real and, and as also as necessary. So for instance, like, like a lot of people don't know they can change their thoughts. They can change what they're thinking. They I think, know. Oh, well, I'm it's just like, who's, this. who's in control of my thoughts? Right. Where do they come from? They, they can come from anywhere, but they don't have to stay. Mm -hmm. But what happens is a thought comes in and we attach to it mm -hmm. and then we sort of nurture it. Right. And once we nurture a negative thought, it creates a neural pathway in the brain that's attached to that negative thought. And the more we nurture it, the deeper that pathway in the brain gets and the easier it is to think that thought. Like that's auto, it becomes an automatic thought. Exactly. And right. that's why 80% of the 50 to 70,000 thoughts we have every day are thoughts that we've thought in the past. Right. 
there are very few new thoughts that we have because they become habituated through the actual physical mechanics of the brain. Of the brain. Mm-hmm. And so we physically have to learn through these like science-backed tools that like I work with and you work with these, we have to retrain the mind to think differently and to create new neural pathways. And then what happens over a period of time, it can be quick with some people. With me, it took many years because I'm a slow learner. <laughs> that <laughs> then we create new pathways and then we're, more, we're much more conscious. It's much easier to think in, in a helpful ways, mm-hmm. in positive ways that help us get what we really want. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier to see the thoughts as they come in and to decide, is this thought helpful or right. harmful? Right. That's, that's that whole part of the awakening and, yes. and becoming more conscious is really acknowledging when you're having those things that are making you feel badly um, to go mm-hmm. to, to be this uh, observer to be the observer and say, oh, wow, isn't yes. this fascinating? What's, what's happening right now that is causing me to respond or react in this way? You know, what, mm-hmm. how is it tied to some message or some feeling that I had in the past? You know, what is it reminding me of? And how do I need to help shift the story shift the story, change the thoughts, uh, write a new chapter, <laughs> write a new chapter yes. in a way that is more helpful and constructive and effective in helping me become this better version of myself. Oops. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh-oh. That's okay. <laughs> Whoopsie-daisy. Yeah. Man down. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And there's tons of tactics and tools to help you do that mm-hmm. there there does though have to be a commitment to it and mm-hmm. i know for me that's why and why a lot of coaches will work for pe- work with people for a minimum period of time you know right. three months six months a year even to really have that time to work with the mind or whatever their sort of goal is or the whatever mm-hmm. their modality is but it takes time to takes time and commitment to shift Mm -hmm. and you want to know that if you have a, that you have a client who's really committed to the process of changing, Mm -hmm. which I think is one of the things I love so much about coaching. Yeah. It's not just processing what's happened in the past. It's actually going in there and changing things. Changing. Right. It's like uh, it's developing those muscles, you know, like if you just started learning how to play tennis or, you know, just started running, training for a marathon or whatever. It's like, you can't just say, I want to run a marathon and then show up three or four months later and run a marathon. If you sat on the couch for the next three or four months, right? It's the Not same. Not unless you want a big injury. Right. It's funny because I actually just, I just started playing uh, tennis again. Oh, you did? Yeah. After a number of years, so I'm taking tennis lessons and it's oh. true. It's like, the swing, it may be there, but the, the arm moving in that way, the muscles moving in that way, like it needs, it needs time. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Pete, what, why do you think, um, or how do you think people sh- maybe don't expect uh, like 
how much work it takes, like how much energy and effort it, it takes to become more conscious, to become taking these um, processes and using them yeah. on a regular basis so that it, so that that becomes second nature, that becomes the, um, that becomes the new neural pathways that are created. You know, it reminds me of that they say with kids when they're teething babies, they say if adults had to go through teething, they would never be able to handle it because it's so mm -hmm. painful. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're a child, you just have this openness to learning and growing and changing. And I, I, I feel like it's one of the things that happens to us when we become adult adults. Once we get to a certain level, it's like, we, we develop this fixed mindset and there's a, um, a, a researcher and a very famous, I, I'm sure she's like a, I mean, she's written a number of books. Her name is Carol Dweck and she, she talks about the difference between having a growth mindset and a fixed mm -hmm. mindset. Mm -hmm. And that when we have a fixed mindset, we really feel like, okay, I have a certain amount of ability, a certain amount of intelligence and that's it. And so if something is hard, I should just stop because I can't do it. Whereas having a growth mindset, which is what all the most successful people have, is that they have this understanding that if I work at something for enough time, I'm going to achieve what I, what I want. But mm -hmm. it's just about that consistent work and about finding different ways to do it. That maybe one way isn't working, so I have to come in at it a different way. Mm -hmm. So it's like developing as an adult that growth mindset and trying to do it like before it feels too late. Like a lot of people come to me because again, they they feel sort of hopeless. They're like at mm -hmm. their wits end. So, so in that respect, sometimes they're looking for a very immediate fix, mm -hmm. but it's the people who understand that it's going to take some time and work that end up having the best experiences. Because, because people think that they can come to you one time. And I, I always used to say with my clients, like, okay, I wave my magic wand and poof, it's done. I mean, yeah. that would be nice if that's how life was. Yeah. Oh. I have had a few people that have come for like three sessions and we're like, oh, I don't think this is really helping. But, you know, if I, I've tried to coach them through that because that's just an idea that something uh -huh. isn't helping. And with uh -huh. that stuff, I, I don't take it personally. And sometimes it isn't like sometimes it's not the right modality for them, but that's why it's like, it's important to have people for me at least in a three month container, because I feel like that's just three months is kind of just the beginning that right. you need to work with someone to, uh -huh. to start for them to start seeing that things can be different. You can make some real change in three months, but then six months in my opinion is really a great amount of time to work with a coach. Because that's really where you're going to see those habits forming. You mm -hmm. can form a habit in 90 days, but then if you decide to go off on your own and practice it and you don't have that motivation, that daily, that weekly, um, che like check in with accountability. The coach or, uh -huh. Yeah. Like you, and then you've got a bunch of stuff going on in your head and then you've maybe you've started a new relationship and now you're, you're all activated from that relationship and you don't have any support. Uh-huh. And you don't have somebody to say like, oh, well, you know, check in with me when that happens or, 
did you call a friend when you were feeling that way before you texted him back? Or did you notice what your what story you were making about his text? Like, did you were you aware of what you were making that mean? Mm-hmm. I, I I often say that to people. What are you making it mean? I'll say it to myself. Yeah. I'll get a text. I'll feel the text comes in. The thought is let's say for instance, um, this client is, you know, is upset at me or they're, they don't want to work with me or they're not going to sign the contract. I'm filled with fear and, and a feeling of, of panic. And if that's where it ends, it goes right into my fingertips and I do something, start convincing them or this or that. But because I've been doing this work for long enough, I can feel that and say, Oh wow, I'm feeling anxious. What am I thinking? that's creating this anxious feeling. Mm-hmm. What in my past is being activated? Like my abandonment wound, I started by saying that my father left when I was three and I never mm-hmm. saw him again. So is a fear, is this thought that this client is gonna leave, is effect, is it, uh, um, activating my abandonment wound, which is really the little girl that lives inside of me. Right. And now to protect her, I'm going to like hustle and try to control and try to manage it with this client. Right. So if I don't know any of that, I'm going to create a big mess or probably that client's going to go away anyway because they see that I'm crazy because <laughs> I am in that moment. Right. But if I can work the tools, calm my nervous system, choose a different thought, feel a different way, put, take care of my little girl, my inner child put that back where it belongs in my childhood, not in dealing with this person, then I show up as my highest self and I can actually help this person and figure out what they need and what's best for them. Right. Uh, I was, all of this is tying together (laughs) to this sense of making amends and having compassion for yourself. Mm -hmm. And you talked about forgiveness um, when you were talking in your video, you know, saying, I'm sorry, asking for forgiveness. And I, and I had this, uh, this word popped into my head. It was grace. It Mm. was like to, to give ourselves grace to be human, to have these moments of panic and insecurity and doubt and, uh, you know, not believing in yourself or feeling abandoned or unworthy or, you know, whatever the case is where you feel scared, you know, where you feel yes. like that scared little girl whose daddy left. Yes. I, I always tell people if you're not making amends in your life, like if you're not, ha- if you don't have anything to apologize for, you're not in life. Mm. You know, it's like, go be in life and have it be messy and be human and know that you didn't do it perfectly. Well, and that's, then that's the myth have is I have to respect. show up perfectly. I have to show up perfectly or, yeah. I, you know, or I have to hide and pretend that I'm not. Right. Right. So then they, then it's like perfection paralysis. Then mm-hmm. we never make changes in our lives. We never try new things. We never get into that relationship or leave that relationship because we're worried about how it's going to look. Mm-hmm. And then we don't, and then our life is over. Yeah. Keeping this, uh, this like glass ceiling on top of us that prevents us from actually growing and expanding and evolving and transforming into a better version of ourselves. Right. So I don't know, but maybe it's because I'm 46 now, but it's like, I'm pretty aware that I don't have that much time left. 
I don't know how much time I have left. Thank God. At least 50, at least 50 years, it. Rose. Well, the truth is we don't know, right? I know. Because we have no idea. I, because I'm from Manhattan and I was, I lived in lower Manhattan on September 11th and mm. I watched those towers fall. Mm. And I always say to myself, all those people went to work that day with a full schedule of everything they had to get done that day. Right. And none of it got done. Right. And, and so we don't know. And so what do we want to do today? Mm-hmm. What do we want to do today? Just mm-hmm. to move the needle a little bit, just to take that little risk or to, to help ourselves a little or to love ourselves a little bit more. Maybe today the, the you know, for your viewers, maybe it was watching this, this video or listening to this podcast. For us, it was having this conversation. Mm-hmm that we now get to be elevated from this experience. Yeah. What is the one thing that I'm doing today? And maybe I can't do anything. And the one thing I'm doing is just the cocoon. It's just making myself feel better and getting through this day so that tomorrow I can move forward. Maybe it's my step back day. Mm-hmm. That progress is not a straight line. Mm-hmm. It's like whatever is going to honor you in this moment, whatever is going to be more life-giving, life-giving, like renewing, inspiring, um, you know, in a way that that helps you feel more full, you know, like more full as opposed to depleted. Yeah, it takes courage. And sometimes it is depleting, actually. Like, it's tiring to do this work. <laughs> it is exhausting. I, there are a lot of nights I go to bed at, like, like 9 o'clock. Wow. Or, like, 9.30. Wow. Because I'm t- tired from working on myself. It's like, enough, people. This day is over. I give up. You know, I'm done. I'm out of juice. But it takes courage, you know, yeah. when you're talking about like making amends in this process of transformation and self-love and, and being willing to take that step. I mean, it takes courage. And with apologies, I always, I always add one thing, which is like, if I'm apologizing, whatever I'm apologizing for, I say, is there anything I've missed? Mm. Is there anything else that you see that I did this year, this in this experience that I haven't seen? Because we're like denial factories over here. Yeah. yeah. It's not just a river in Egypt. Like I'm an expert denier. Like it's literally, it's like the flat earth in my head. Like <laughs> not me. You know? <laughs> no, I don't see the facts. Yeah. I mean, I can look at a, at a, at a, um, I'm not going to say a particular number, but let's just say I can look at a very abundant bank account and feel like I'm going to be on the street next week. Mm. I can, I can lie. I can lie to myself. I can flat earth myself in that way, Mm. even though it's clearly proven that the earth is round many millions of times over. And it's clearly proven that I'm financially stable and I'm just fine. I can create that feeling of anxiety in my body, that fear, that panic, because of what I'm choosing to think based on what is, what is like a convenient and, and familiar way for me to think based on what I learned throughout my life and in my childhood, especially Mm -hmm. with my mother who had a poverty mentality Mm -hmm. and how I, how I, I basically um, got that from her. I'm trying to think of the word, but like I inherited, that's it. I inherited from her poverty mentality. So you can give me as many zeros as you want unless I work on this, 
that's still going to be what I lead with. Right. And everyone has something like that. Right. They have belief systems that they inherited, that they nurtured throughout their life that don't work for them and that are stopping them from getting to that next level, whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be career and it doesn't have to be love and it doesn't have to be financial. It can simply be a, a feeling of peace and joy that they can't grasp. Mm-hmm. That's why, and that's we, why this work is so important. Did, yes, we did it. We got in there. We're like digging through. Yeah. I mean, it's a constant excavation of the, which is why I go to bed at like nine o'clock. You need to get rid of. (laughs) I mean, I am constantly looking at my thoughts. I'm like a hawk. I tell my clients this. I say, you have to be like a hawk with your thoughts. Yeah. You have to be looking for that mouse in the grass all Mm -hmm. the time. Like your life depends on it. Mm-hmm. Like those hawks or those eagles, they look for food like their life depends on it because it does. Right. Because if they can't hunt for food, they will die. And that's how we have to be around our thinking. It's like your, your life doesn't depend on it because you can survive. But your life depends on it if you really want to thrive. Right. And live like the yes. fullest, most amazing life. Like this, but you know what? You have to do it. Well, See, you don't have to. You choose to. <laughs> and and I would say that sometimes it actually. It, I I completely agree with you. And if I hadn't spent, I told you I was in the entertainment business before this. If I hadn't spent five years working on true crime television, I would completely go with the. It's about thriving, not surviving. But I have seen firsthand people's lives ending because of what they made up in their minds and because of relationship trauma. I spent, I think three of those five years working on a show called wives with knives. And these were women who stabbed their husbands very often to death. Wow. Because of circumstances in the relationship, in the love relationship. And that is what prompted me. That was the last job I had in the entertainment business to go into relationship coaching full time. Wow. Because I thought to myself, at one point in my life, I I identified with those women. That could have been me because Uh the men in their lives triggered them so badly Uh that they felt they had no choice but to to stab them. Right. Was fight. fight. Yeah. And those women, some of them ended up dead. A lot of them ended up in prison for the rest of their lives. Wow. For 20 years or more. And I, I spoke to them and I saw all that. And I said, I can help that not happen to people. Mm-hmm. Not that the people I coach are necessarily that extreme that they're about to pick up a knife, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I've definitely coached couples and, and individuals who have gotten into fights that, that get physical. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is just get pushed over that edge and right. you do something that you don't mean. That and in that moment, mean, you don't intend to do it, but it's like that, that protective and your life is takes over. over and you feel threatened and all that kind of stuff. And your life is over and it doesn't have to be because you're in a, in an abusive relationship. It can be because you got, you know, you, you became furious and through something and it hit the person the wrong way. And that's it. Yeah. That's two lives over because yeah. you're now in prison. Yeah. It's just so, so wake up and yes. be more conscious. Learn how to response to respond rather than react. Learn how to create 
rather than be a victim of circumstances. Quick before you kill someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how, okay, so in these moments, when we flip out, because I want to sort of uh, just transition a little bit that, that if you have moments of flip out, this is that comes, comes back to making amends with yourself, forgiving yourself, um, you know, uh, giving yourself grace to be human and not perfect and say, how do I need to respond in a different way next time? What did I feel in my body before this happened? You know, like really slowing yourself down and becoming aware of what was going on and how you need to show up in the moment and take a pause if you need to take a pause, right? Okay, so you just broke up for me. Oh. Can you repeat that? Yeah, I just said, uh, so in those moments, those, yes. are the, those are the moments when we need to have compassion for ourselves. We need to have grace for ourselves and accept our humanity that yes. we mess up, that we mess mm -hmm. up, we make yes. bad choices, we make mistakes. And so how do I need to learn to forgive myself Yes, and have compassion for myself and come up with some plans of how to... to operate differently the next time yes yes or attempt to right you know because it, if once a pattern is ingrained it takes a lot of attempts to do it differently and then one day it sticks mm -hmm. we do it differently mm -hmm. so it's doing that training going to those tennis lessons every day yeah I <laughs> working mean, on I, those yeah, muscles it, it's it is it's retraining the mind uh -huh. It's becoming aware of the thinking. It's looking at the triggers and why am I getting so elevated? Mm -hmm. And it's looking at why, you know, really, I, I um, let's see, a lot of coaches use this tool. It's like a wheel to help examine um, the feelings. Uh, of it? No, it's, it's, it's the different categories. Oh. I call it a wheel of well-being, right? So okay. it has like, your, your physical life, your emotional uh -huh. life, intellectual, uh -huh. spiritual, uh -huh. financial, occupational, social, and environmental. Hmm. That you really have to look at all the categories in your life and say, I always I have them rate themselves from a one to a 10. Uh -huh. And I say like one is I'm a hot mess and 10 is I've got this. Uh-huh. And so like, where are you in each of the, those categories from like hot mess to I got this, uh -huh. like emotionally, like, do you feel like, are you able to tell what you're feeling? Do you know what someone else might be feeling? Are you able to adjust your feelings for what someone else needs and to get your work done? Or do your feelings take you over? Do you express yourself freely with other people what about in your love relationships can you do you have a voice we were talking about this can you so where are you on that from a hot mess to i got this mm -hmm. what about physically how's your nutrition how's your exercise do you you know do you take care of yourself well physically right do you smoke do you drink you know what are, so we always start looking by looking at that mm -hmm. and getting like a baseline for where are you now what and then that's like an inventory process what needs work 
Right. Like what's most closest to hot mess in your life right now? Cause that's what we're going to focus on. <laughs> and then we look at boundaries. Like a lot of times people, they haven't been taught how to create healthy boundaries. And that's a real issue with their, you know, with how they are in their life with them not getting what they want and with not being happy in their lives, not feeling really joy. So we deal with boundaries with themselves and with everyone in their lives. And then I'll take a time to look in the rearview mirror and look at those childhood patterns mm -hmm. and look at what are these habitual ways of thinking, feeling, and acting that have been set up over time. And what are these coping mechanisms that, that we're still using that were helpful at a time, yeah. but are not helpful anymore. Right. Like it may have been fun when, you know, it may have been helpful when you were scared of your dad when you were six years old to like sit in the closet in the dark with your flashlight reading a book, but that's creating avoidance and secretive behavior in, in your love relationships today and it's not working anymore. Yeah. yeah. So what do we, what do we need to do differently? Yeah. And then we, we work on how can you do that differently? What yeah. are the tools you can use to actually repair those parts of yourself? and not have them run the show anymore. So you can show up as your highest self. Yeah. And that, then also like it. a lot of it. That's has to, it. Yeah. That's it. Right. That, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Case closed period. Done. That's it. It's like, who am I in, as my highest self? Yeah. And how can I be that person more of the time? And again, not a hundred percent of the time because right. we're not perfect. And right. I make mistakes on the daily. Right. You can ask my daughter. <laughs> no, exactly. Your how often I have you. to apologize. Your kids show you all your, your blind spots. That. Yeah. So. Well, this is, uh, yeah, this is so important. I mean, thank you so much for this. Yes. It was a really deep <laughs> and wide conversation yes. about how people need to um, how people can choose to improve their life transform their yeah. life you know um, show up as their highest self yes know, work on showing up as their highest self so um, I'm being conscious of time I'm like oh yes okay. uh, so we're there huh? yeah. so the so the last question that I always ask my guests is how do you define real love because this is wake up to real love so this oh. all coming full circle how do you define real love Rose it's funny I was just having a conversation with someone on Sunday about this and his response was well what is love exactly mm-hmm so I, I, I like that. Like, what is love? I think that real love is treating yourself and others in a way that is kind and generous and compassionate and forgiving and thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And I do think that, again, it's not something that we do perfectly 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. And making that effort is a part of showing love for someone and for ourselves is that effort towards, towards change and towards elevating and getting better. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to find you and learn more about you and work, work with you? Yeah. So the best way is my website which is rosevigiano.com, or you can find me on Facebook under my name, which is also Rose Vigiano, same, same name. 
on the Facebook and um, also on Instagram, which is at Rose underscore Vigiano. Okay. Thank you. This has been a beautiful beautiful conversation. Yes. I love this. And I know, I you know, when I first met you, it was like, oh yes, please. (laughs) We're going to have a conversation. So thank you. I think I think I I met you and then I went to my Facebook Messenger to like I went to Facebook to look you up cuz I saw your full name on the group. Yeah. And then and then I found you and then at that moment when I found you you had just messaged me yeah. on Facebook. I think that's how it happened and I was like I was just going to message you. So synchronicity, good. synchronicity. I love it. Yeah. It's been so great. Thank you. Thank you thank for being you. here. You are thank welcome. Thank you for having you are welcome me. welcome anytime. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I close my podcast mm. um, because you're, all the things that we have been talking to is all about coming back to ourself, you know, doing mm-hmm. the work, starting with ourself. And so, you know, this is sort of my mantra of the podcast is the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. So that it all starts with the work that you do, you know, within yourself and how you show up in your relationships, you know, that that's what creates your system of Mm -hmm. how you want to show up in the world, you know, so starting with yourself and doing this deep inner work so that you can get to know yourself, that you can become more authentic then you can have these deeper, more meaningful, intimate relationships, both with yourself and with other people around you, you know, so that you can evolve and transform and become this highest version of yourself. This is like all of our journey, you know, where we Mm -hmm. love, Mm -hmm. love within and love in communion with. And this is, you know, I mean, this is how I want to help the world it's like this is all possible for all of us Mm. yes so indeed thank you listeners if you have enjoyed this conversation and you uh feel free you know please subscribe to the wake up to real love podcast and if you feel like other people your friends family uh, would benefit please share with them as well you know because these are the messages that I think is they're going to uplift all of us Yes. So, and if you want to contact me for more support, you know, in creating more love uh, and intimacy in your own life, of course, you can contact me at The Awakening with Dawn on Facebook or Instagram and, um, you know, just share the love. Share the love. Yes. Share Share it. (laughs) Share it. With yourself and with each other. Yes. Grow it in yourself and then share it outward. Yeah. The Awakening. Yay. So thank you so much, Rose Vigiano. Thank it's been you, a pleasure, pleasure, honor, honor, honor. And you can come back anytime. I, I love having these conversations with you. Oh my gosh. Thank, thank you. you. I would love right. to. All okay. right. So thanks everybody. Wake up every day. Wake up to real love. Take care. See you next time. Bye. Subscribe to the Wake Up To Real Love podcast. Leave five-star reviews. And, of course, share with your friends. You can find Dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard or at The Awakening with Dawn.